Welcome to Do Not Listen to this podcast. Of course, this new series I'm doing is about community building, specifically on online, mostly social media, but also offline. And so those are the kind of chats we're going to be having. And yes, we are still feeding stray cats and dogs. Thanks for supporting that. Today, my guest is not, not only uh, I get the chance to work with her, but she's become a friend. Glendalyn, how are you doing today? Good morning, Roger. I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. And Canada, Canada is doing okay. She represents Canada, all of Canada, by the way. She's, yes, she's I represent all of Canada. For all of Canada, um, I, I do. I speak for all of Canada. We are one collective unit. Yes. Um, and right now, we need a bit more coffee. There you go. Um, so, as I was having a little pre-chat with her, I, I pointed out that she's very good at building communities. I also knew that she would reject that idea. Uh, and then I had to have a chat with her as to why she was good at building. So are you clear that you are good at building communities now? Have we straightened that out before the show started? Roger, as a Canadian, I can't just wholeheartedly accept a compliment as it is given. However, um, I can give you a long preamble to tell you why it may or may not be applicable. There you go. Go for it. I do think I was saying as I was telling her before we started, I said it's very funny whenever you compliment somebody on anything, they then tell you, no, that's not no, no, I no, I don't agree with that. <laughs> Most people are allergic you to you know it is true. And from the other hat that I wear from a communication standpoint, there is an absolute art to accepting a compliment. Yeah. That we I don't know why, you know, that's a nice shirt. Oh, great. And I only got, got it for like 29 bucks yes. on sale. Like we, we have to justify why. Gotta minimize it. Got to minimize it really fast. Instead of simply saying, thank you. Well, you know, let, maybe we can explore a little bit about that. Let's, what's your perception of building a community online or offline and what the challenges are because you have done this in uh, as an educator you've done it as a business owner you've done it as an individual and you're when you're in a group you're always very good at being active in the group so what do you find are some of the things that are just basic everything everybody should know to how to do a b and c um let's see i guess my first starting point would simply be if you're if you're looking for step by step approaches to building community, that's likely not going to work for you. A community is a collective of individuals, and that's the part that we forget. So individuals have different motivations; they have different outcomes they're pursuing when they connect with somebody in person or online. Um, you know, networking people can be just as shallow networking as they are in an online platform. Yeah. Uh, what I would suggest, however, is that if your goal is to either identify, create, or somehow start to bring people together for the purpose of community, being very intentional. Mm. What is it that you're hoping to achieve? Yeah, I and mean, understanding that is going to help determine what that looks like because you know you can have 
Are you truly trying to build a community or connect with people or are you trying to acquire followers? Right. Well, yeah, I've, t- and I've, I've talked about that and I think this will come up in almost all the episodes. There is a difference between building a community, you know, which is by nature small, you know, because you can only manage, you know, once you get to 20, you start starts to be a breaking point, right? Um, because little clicks form, but, and building a fan base, which could be limitless or, you know, or building a customer base. Those are all different things, right? Different approaches, different things, different intentions. Exactly. Um, and I'm glad you highlighted the small group count. For me, where I have seen the most success in, I shouldn't say success, I suppose what I have seen the most positive outcomes for myself and the people involved have been in those smaller settings. Right. Um, And that has a lot to do with also just my general dissatisfaction for how social media platforms have, you know, really been going the last little while. Right. And there's definitely been a resurgence of the idea of controlling where your stuff is situated. Yeah. Online. That's right. Um, Why don't you talk about that? Because you had some notes and you're good. You're also a very good researcher and you're very good at data. More compliments that you're going to deny. You had some. (laughs) Thank you. I had her silence. Just give me this look. (laughs) Scared me this stink eye. Um, What you had some notes about social media in general that you want to talk about. Well, no, just the fact that there's definitely been a resurgence of people reverting back to blogs, Mm -hmm. uh, personal websites, Mm -hmm. and Substack is another one that's sort of like that. um, And for myself, it's where I know I have found a little bit more of a positive back and forth. I don't have a ton of subscribers. Substack. Yeah, well, Substack and then my my own website as well. But I'm also hearing this from others in that even if you only have a couple dozen people subscribing, Mm -hmm. they are there for because they like what it is you have to offer. Oh, yeah. Or because they find it useful or interesting. And the engagement I get may not be as high as it is if I post something to social media linking to those same essays. However, the quality of content, the quality of the feedback that I receive and the quality of the conversations and where they go is far more positive. And it takes a while for people to be comfortable that this is a safe space. They can maybe disagree with you a little bit um, respectfully, of course, and so again, coming back to the idea of intention, right. if I wanted a huge follower count, I can post a ton of enragement stuff on social media. We know that works. Right. That isn't the goal I'm after. Well, you know, you're, when you talk about that small group, the reason I think they're important is they want you to win. They, they don't really care what you do as much as they... They're there for you no matter what you do, <laughs> but they want you to win. They're on your side. They are, but I think the difference that I see is 
It's not a fan base. Right. Now this sounds right. very unusual oh, that's, and that's it goes correct. against the law. It goes against the law of large numbers, but I'm finding that when there are more people following somebody on social media, there's actually less diversity in their thinking. It, it appears. I mean, again, we only can see what they're posting. I think that's right. In a small group. Yeah. Because the group think kicks in, right? So I don't, and I don't know what the number is, but the group think definitely kicks in at some point. And in all the small uh, groups that I belong to, there's actually far more diversity in thought. People feel more comfortable challenging you respectfully because they're not going to have 40,000 other people or bots trolling them because right. they think a little bit differently than you. So I think there's actually more safety and better quality of conversation when the group is a bit smaller. Even well, though that seems like, as I say it, it sounds like it shouldn't be like that. No, I mean, I think that that's the way it was always before social media. You know, you had your little go-to whatever group you want to call it. And then the fan base, you know, did whatever the fan base did, right? But the fan base didn't, you know, you know pre-internet, the fan base didn't, um, you know, they rarely showed up at where you lived to attack you. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they did. I mean, I remember in radio, we it got to the point where we we got death threats on a regular basis. Right? We got them so hmm. much that we ha I had a friend in the FBI, and the, and we knew when it was a serious one, right? And then it got to the point where I. I would just schedule when they wanted to do the death threat, right? Like when they wanted to come in and I, and they were like idiots, they would give me their information and I would just hand that over to the FBI and they'd get a visit. Um, well, I mean, that's convenient. Yeah. I mean, but the, uh, what Sufficient. I learned that, what I learned in that early on was that those people that are, you know, whatever, trolling, attacking or whatever verbally or sending really, really crazy letters and all that stuff or what would now be making really crazy comments, they're not the dangerous ones. The dangerous ones are the ones that aren't talking. <laughs> you know, you don't know what they're gonna do. So, right. yeah, I mean, and so what, what have you, what's changed for you over the last couple of years when it comes to building community online or offline? Again, for me, it really comes down. To, I think my intentions just really shifted. It was six years ago when I was still an employee and I was very, very uh, active on LinkedIn, for example. Um, I used to have far more people that I was connected to. I engaged an awful lot more across a variety of industries because I was genuinely interested in all of those. Mm -hmm. In the last six years, because the reason I want to connect to somebody has shifted, growing older also gives you um, <laughs> a little more perspective into Excuse what me. am I really I hoping to, to get out of this? You are not growing older. You are, you know, you're, you, you're standing still in time age-wise as all of my female friends are. They do not grow. I see. <laughs> that is, that is the correct response. 
What I will say is at this moment in time where I am flash frozen on earth, apparently. Yeah, exactly. It's just I, the rule that I wish to have online or even in communities over the last six years has been one of stepping away. Mm-hmm. Um, I stepped away from a variety of leadership roles, voluntary as well as in the workforce. And that's actually a positive because the way I look at it is I, you know, at one point I was holding on to six different leadership titles throughout the community in various organizations and in the workplace. Six different people now have those positions. So that's six different people who now have a door open, are learning the ropes the same way I had to, are learning how to use their own community building skills uh, in the best way they see fit. So it's a lot more about opening doors, whereas certainly earlier in my career, it was you know, climbing a ladder or hopping over to a new ladder, but it was very goal driven. Now it's almost like I'm getting to see the benefit for everyone else from some of the small steps I took. And now that I'm gone, and I guess this, this goes back to something we mentioned a little before we started recording, the difference between building a fan base or followers and a community is that when I step away from those communities that I've helped contribute to or build, they keep going without me. And that's that's a successful community. That's actually part of the process of community building that people don't understand. It's a, they've actually kind of identified that is that you know step, you know letting go, you know handing over the community. I think it's important. I know you're building two communities, and I want to talk about the challenges and and things that you've been learning. I know you're doing Substack, and I know you're doing the website. Let's talk about Substack first. Tell everybody what your Substack is, what it's focused on, and then you know what, what what's been the interesting things, good and bad, in building that community. And then we'll get into your website because they're two different things. So, yeah, they very are. Um, the first one, my Substack. So before I tell you what it is, let me just remind you. A few months ago, when I went out and created this sort of side project on Substack. I was viewing it specifically from the fact that it's a, it really is a bit of a hub for the writing community, not exclusive, but it's a place where people post long form essays and the writer's group for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The challenge is that the title I chose is not one that is easy to pronounce Mm. often and denunciate. And that really stinks when I also launched a podcast to support it. So here goes. Right. I launched Reflections on Horror. Right. And I did that in response to the fact that Reflections by G, my other blog, on occasion I would write something a little more thoughtful regarding the horror industry, not movie reviews, not glorifying it, but looking at, you know, isolation or grief, human experiences. And I always used horror books or horror movies, television, in order to help demonstrate how the genre adequately or quite frankly, is astonishingly good at dealing with those elements of humanity. 
What has been so much fun? I was a little concerned that maybe I was going to either turn off some people that are just like, hey, I just want to watch 90 minutes of people getting chopped up because it's escapism. Or I wasn't quite frankly intellectual enough for the reach that I was hoping I would get with some of my posts. And I didn't know if there was an in-between, but it turns out there is. It is a safe space, as I always tell people for Frady Cats. Uh, I'm not there to, you know, I don't post gruesome pictures or anything. Uh, However, what's been really fun for me, the most fun I've had is I started doing a subscriber profile. And why I love that is it really turns, it turns my platform around to the people that subscribe. Gotcha. They get to tell us a little bit about themselves, but then at the very end, I create a unique uh, horror trope or horror scenario that they have to escape from. That's great. Because whenever we watch movies, we always think, oh, there's no way we would fall for that. We know how to, we've seen all the movies. We know how to get out. And so then I put people to the test with that. And so far, nobody, everyone has died. They did not make it out. (laughs) But it's a fun way to, I thought it was just a fun way to get to know people who, you know, gave me the time of day, quite frankly, and read what I put out there and allow them to turn the spotlight back on them for a little bit. Oh, I love that because it puts the focus on them. Now let's talk about the website. What's the website about and what's the difference in growing that community versus the Substack? The website community is definitely smaller. It's a little bit more on the serious side or quite frankly, it. The website serves two purposes. One, it's sort of my little shingle that's still out there. Even though I'm really moving into writing, I am still available for some other services. So I just, you need to have that presence. The blog started this year. I restarted it after, I believe, almost a three-year absence. Uh, Because I had lost my short-term memory uh, temporarily, I couldn't read I had a few other challenges that I was facing. And so I started to be a bit more reflective and I wanted to take the opportunity over the summer to write about experiences that I've had, maybe get a bit more personal where I'd never allowed myself to interject my own personality into what I'd written before. It was always, how do I help somebody else? I'm still doing that. It's just been a bit more freeing. Uh, But naturally, because of that, because it tends to be sort of Gen X nostalgia, um, a little bit more related to the business or industries that I had been involved in, that niche is just a little smaller. And certainly it doesn't have the kind of engagement that I would get if I was on or when I'm on Substack because there's just an automatic you know, genre appreciation group that's out there. But again, the people who have subscribed, the interactions I have had, it's a lot less public. It's a lot less social media support and shares and a lot more personal messages coming in that 
That's awesome. Are quite frankly more meaningful. That's awesome. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for coming on. I'm glad you're a part of my community. Well, thank you, Roger. You have built yourself a wonderful community as we have seen over the years. Speaking of small groups, very diverse opinions, different voices, different time zones. Yes. Well, you know, I think, look, I think that the thing is, is that when you understand that if you're going to start a group and you're not the most, that you're not the most important part of the group, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's the ability to say, well, you know, these are, these are five or six people that might mix well together or they might kill each other. I don't know, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> and you try to put them together and then, and then you just kind of got to back off and see what happens. Well, and, and again, I think it's just knowing if there's one thing that they see eye to eye on, whether yeah. it's having a sense of humor, it doesn't have to be something big and lofty, but that brings the human element back to the forefront, as opposed to either a group like group think, or we're all going to just mindlessly follow somebody Oh God! No, it's a group yeah. of individuals That's with like the worst. personalities. That's the worst. <laughs> that's the most dangerous. It's, that's a cult. Yes. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, I encourage everybody to go check out your Substack and your website. I'll include that information in the post as well. Oh, okay. Thank you so much, Roger.